Have you ever met someone in your professional life where the way they approach a subject matter alters how you look at a standard way of doing business from that time on? A few years ago, I met James Worth from Citation Labs. What I didn't expect at the time was that James was going to change the way that I approached link building and almost everything I knew about the topic. It's with immense pleasure that I welcome James to the show. Welcome to the EMJ SEO podcast, where it's all about you learning SEO so that you can rank in Google. Hey, it's Matt Hepburn. I'm an SEO professional with 13 years of experience working as a consultant, working in large and small agency. And for the past seven years, I've been working in the enterprise sector for some of the biggest brands out there. I provide SEO tips for beginners, and I tell you straight out what's going to work and what's not going to. This episode is brought to you by Interview Bookers, the podcast booking agency that provides link building through podcast episode show note links. If you're looking to support Google's EEAT framework for your SEO, you can build links as an expert, educating from your experience on podcast guest interviews. Let your links to your website stand out from the crowd. Visit us at interviewbookers.com. Hey, James, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Really glad to be here. Uh, it's always great talking with you, James. So you as well. Just, just for the audience to know, uh, James and I have been talking to each other back and forth for about a year or two years now. Uh, we have, um, in one of my past uh, enterprise-level companies, we've worked together on a project and I've recommended him out to a few other projects. So I'm really happy that James is on the show today. And the overarching theme today is on link building. So uh, James, uh, could you talk a little bit about Citation Labs and, and what you do there? That'd be great. Happy to. Yes, Citation Labs is, a, is an enterprise level link building agency. Um, although we also focus on, we work with smaller businesses as well either are there startups that have raised funds or smaller organizations or businesses that are well established and so we build links that's our that's our focus we generate content we do the outreach we actually i'm sort of starting in the middle from the beginning we help size up the competition we've got some analysis tools that we've developed in order to help do that and then once we get the green light on the details of the campaign then we launch into the topic ideation, publisher sourcing, we handle the outreach, we write the content. It's a, it's a turnkey solution, including impact, monthly impact reporting, as well as weekly status updates on, on activity that, uh, that has come through. So if you, want to, if you want to build links for your website and you want to turn that over to a third party, we've got a great solution for that. That's what we do at Citation Labs. And me specifically, I focus on strategy and growth. That's awesome. And just for more context, uh, one of our prior episodes, Garrett French, uh, the CEO or principal of Citation Labs, has also been on talking about link ROI and uh, what that means. So I would love to segue into the questions. Uh, I know you and I can talk, talk, can talk can uh, 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 talk in uh, ad nauseum <laughs> yeah. about link building and, and, and uh, what's going on, but uh, so, uh, we're going to jump into the questions, uh, for people who don't understand what link building is and what that value is. So if you could start yeah. explaining what is link building in SEO, that'd be great. 
Sure. Link building is a pretty broad topic, so it's defined a few different ways, but specific to SEO, it generally involves external backlinks from one website or domain to another website. And we do that because it's a ranking signal for Google and we want to increase our visibility and, and rankings in search engines. Okay. Could you tell us uh, why is link building important? That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, related to the the previous answer, really it's the focus of it's important if you have a website that you own or manage and you want to get more visibility from search engines, namely namely Google. And so uh, it's important to, because it's a ranking factor, it's one of the elements, one of the values that Google assesses when they're determining who shows up at the top of search results. And of course, the top of search results, which that's where the visibility is. And so that's what we're trying to do is get it to the top of the organic section of Google by sending all of those great signals that we know uh, are important to Google because they're important to humans in determining, in determining the trust and, and uh, relevance of a particular search result. And so that's, you know, essentially kind of in a nutshell why it's important. Happy to expand beyond that, but I think we have a few questions. So if I'm yeah. going too shallow, please let me know. I'm happy to go deep. No, it's great. So so Google sees uh, links as, as votes, right? Some, um, we could certainly call it that, yeah. Okay. It's often de determined that way, yeah. So could you explain what is link relevancy? Sure. I think this is a really important one, actually, because... There is a lot of low quality content on the web, you know, trillions of pages. A lot of them have been put up pretty quickly by a human or procedurally generated. And the general overall quality is relatively low. The same is true for link building, especially because historically it was a very, very important ranking factor and one that could be easily manipulated. And so a lot of people manipulated it. And we end up with a web that, or a, if we think about all of the links, if we have trillions of pages, we have, I don't know, quadrillions of links or something connecting all of those pages. And many, many, many of them are pretty low quality. And so link relevancy is one of those elements that really makes a difference. And we can sort of answer what it is by asking another question. Essentially, if we put ourselves in Google's position, how relevant is a particular link? They have these trillions or quadrillions of links to go through, or maybe even more, and they've got to determine which ones are those that actually are relevant. When I think specifically about link relevancy, I usually think about it from the perspective of the content, the context of the page that's giving the link, the website that hosts that page, as well as the, uh, the, the page that's receiving the link and the piece that kind of ties them together, which is the anchor text. And so contextual relevance is probably another way for us to think about link relevancy, as well as does my audience have a good overlap topically with the audience that's giving the link? And what is the, you know, the strength of the trust of the website, a number of other factors as well. But really, I think about in terms of context, what is the anchor text? What is the topic of my page, the topic of the linking page? Do they all nicely connect together? Are they relevant? So uh, just to add on to that, uh, could you go into a little bit about the context or the content the relevancy of the website itself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, certainly if everything else is equal and it comes down to relevance, I think it's relatively fair to assume that the the 
website and the page that is more relevant is probably going to have more value in terms of whatever the receiving party, uh, the the destination page, whatever it receives is, is likely going to have more value because of that relevance. So we think about it in terms of my page and then the link, including the anchor text, and then the page that's giving that link and the, the website that that page is on. I don't think it's necessarily the end all be all. And one word of one sort of note of caution here is a number of elements of link building, especially if we're watching LinkedIn posts where someone is uh, is someone's promoting a campaign that they ran. A lot of times, they're positioning it in a way that that makes the campaign look like it was successful. Those success metrics that they're using may not be the ones that are most important to you. For example, they might be talking about the authority of the sites that they receive the links from, but if the links themselves aren't very relevant, which often can be a challenge when we talk about high authority websites, if we're using Moz's VA or one of the other authority-related metrics, sometimes the relevance relevance isn't there because uh, those sites are very broad. They might be advertising-focused, and so the way that they make money is to create enough content that brings eyeballs to that uh, website and to those pages to sell advertising. That may not be the most relevant in terms of a link. So in some of these things, like the topical relevance of the domain overall uh, that's, that's providing the referring link, Yes, I think that's something that's important to take into consideration um, or the authority of that website. That's something that's good to know. But we want to avoid analysis paralysis because at the end of the day, often really what drives the impact is the number of links themselves and how uh, competitive my backlink profile is in terms of the number of referring domains, the recency or freshness of those links, et cetera, et cetera. How my overall link profile compares to the competition. Usually, there's a gap, and that gap is really what we want to address. That that's that's pretty amazing, uh, especially since you're going into you started to go into also like well, what type of links are pointing to that domain uh, that you're getting the link from, and how relevant, topically relevant, are the links coming in to that domain? Yeah, to the topic, right? So that starts. Yeah, to- sure. That starts touching into uh, NLP with uh, Google Cloud and, and, and entities and things like that, right? So, um, and a number of other areas as well that really yeah. tie into that kind of overall that overarching discussion for sure. Yeah. Wow, that's that's pretty intense. Um, so you mentioned Anchor Text. How, can you can yeah. Anchor Text impact a link building campaign? And if so, could you give us some uh, details on that? Yeah, for sure. Anchor text is the is the element of link building that probably gets maybe too much focus, but also is one of the ones that we know, based on numerous studies, um, is most important. It's it's also one of the higher risk ones. In fact, many of if we sort of harken back to the the early days of Google really clamping down on spammy link tactics through a number of algorithm changes, as and more recently through the quality rater guidelines, uh, there's been a lot of focus on anchor text. We know it moves the needle. It's important. And it's important for a reason, because it provides additional relevance, contextual relevancy. We're saying on the website that's providing the link, we're saying we're going to send you to another page, and here's what that page is about. So for humans and for search engines, that anchor text is pretty important. This is the the 
most closely associated text to a particular link. Also, the text around the link is important. We know that for sure, but this is the actual clickable text and it really stands out. And so um, it's important. Google, in fact, recently revised their own developer guidelines around links. And the most part of part of the part of the guidance is around how do you create a link that we're going to be able to easily see and crawl and render and give you credit for. But the other part of this of the developer doc is all about anchor text. It's clearly very important to Google because of its contextual relevance or its influence over the contextual relevance of a particular link. And so the best tool that I think we have in terms of as we're writing anchor text, if we're actively engaged in, in building links, either as our for ourselves, for our own website, or in, in my case, because we're an agency, the most important thing that we pay attention to, because there's a lot of fluctuation in the tolerances or what we see to be the standards, uh, we focus on the competition. And so we're analyzing the competition's anchor text. You know, what percentage of that anchor text is exact match, exactly matching a particular keyword we want to rank for, which is impactful but risky? Because if we over-optimize, we could potentially lose the value of those links. Maybe not with a manual penalty. Google's gotten a much better, done a much better job over many years of algorithmically applying those values or devalues to your backlink profile and your overall profile. So it's not necessarily a manual penalty, but certainly based on where the link comes from, or if it's very clearly being you know, sort of manipulated or game, it could very easily be filtered out in terms of the value of the links. So we want to be careful. And, and in our opinion, our estimation, the best tool for that is to analyze the backlink profiles of the competitors that are already in the top 10 search results for the keywords that you might want to rank for. That's our best analysis. And so we spend a lot of time looking at that, the ratio of anchor text in terms of, you know, I think most SEOs agree that you want a pretty low percentage of exact match anchors. It just looks gamey. It looks like you're trying to manipulate search engines. And we and and if you're trying to manipulate search engines, kind of by definition, you're violating Google guidelines. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that for ourselves or our clients. And so we play it pretty safe, but our best tool is analyzing the, the profiles of the competition to determine what tolerances Google already has for the exact niche that I'm in. That's our best tool. So we analyze the the ratio of anchor text in particular categories like exact match Partial, ma partial match, but still has commercial intent, the number of anchors that are just URLs or the brand name, et cetera. Interestingly, Google says, uh, just one more thing about this, yep. Google, interesting in those guidelines, it's a pretty interesting read. We can tell that it's, it's they're slanting it toward internal links, but they don't explicitly stay, say that this guidance is only for internal links. They're talking about anchor text and backlinks. And so uh, one thing they do recommend is, not using just a massive amount of generic anchors like go here, click here, that sort of thing, because it doesn't, we're, we're missing the opportunity to take advantage of that additional contextual signal, make the link see, show that the link is more relevant, essentially. And so we we diversify our anchor text. We want it to look nice and natural. We don't want anybody to be in trouble. They're just trying to get more visibility around their content. And if we, you know, we think about it from Google's perspective and the human, especially the human's perspective, 
when we're thinking about anchor text, you know, does this add value? Is this providing more relevance for me? Does this make the link more relevant? So we think about it in those terms. Love that. I love that. Um, so uh, a lot of people are asking, especially on some different forums, uh, does link building still work, especially now in 2023? So uh, if you could answer that, that'd be great. Sure. There was a there was a poll, and I'm trying to remember. I think it was Aleda uh, um, mentioned something about this, and I I created a small little Twitter poll because I was really curious. Um, and I've seen a number of other uh, polls that are out there recently around the Im impact of links. Are links more important? In fact, I think it was um, John Mueller who recently in one of his published um, videos had talked about, I believe it was even a conversation, had talked about um, links not being as important as they were. Or maybe it was Gary. It was one of the Googlers that often talks about links or is more likely to talk about links. And and essentially, they, the comment was, um, uh, links are not as important as they used to be. And I think my big response to that was, well, I should hope they're not as important as they used to be because they used to be pretty much too important and too easy to manipulate. And that has clearly been Google's focus in a number of not just core algorithm updates, but also I think it was in December, there was a big link uh, quality um, update, algorithm update, and a number of others over the years, in addition to the sort of the original Penguin and Panda related uh, quality and link focused algorithm updates, um, we have seen that uh, there is less impact for sure by link, especially or in particularly the spammy ones, the low quality ones that were super easy to get. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to badmouth any particular tactics. We use a number of tactics, uh, but things like uh, forum posts, discussion boards, those sorts of things. I, I think those are the ones that are have a little bit, they're probably more risk or they just not even more risk, just really, I don't think really have much value. That doesn't mean they can't. Um, you know, Reddit is a really interesting one because it's essentially a discussion board. Um, there are a lot of very active subreddits. And if they haven't changed it, Reddit used to do this interesting thing for their own purposes, but it would also influence SEO, where if I created a post and it didn't get a lot of engagement, any internal on-domain links pointing to it, pointing to my particular post would be no follow. They're essentially signaling to search engines that, hey, you know what? We don't see a lot of value in this post yet. There's not a lot of engagement. So we're going to make any links no follow. Well, if you had enough upvotes on your post, I don't know the magic number, but that would change. And so now links pointing to that post would be follow links. Now Reddit is essentially saying, okay, let's get some search engine love on this post. It could be indexed, it could be shared more easily. There's more value here. And, and then by association, if my posts happen to have links, there's getting a little more flow of, of link related equity to that. So it's to make a short story long, it's I'm not saying that there's no value in discussion. Uh, board posts if you include a link or forum posts if you include a link. But if it's generally speaking, if it's really easy to get the link, that's probably something that Google is going to essentially devalue to some degree. If sure. I'm earning an editorial link in the main body of a page and I had to work for that, that's that typically is thought to have more value. Right. So links that you can't get probably in an automated fashion, right? 
that's a great yeah base level of of clarification yes right. if i can if i can game this and do it procedurally in some way there's probably not a lot of value and there's so many bots that you know spam every website on the web especially wordpress ones or you know things like that where they know there's a chance that a um that a submission may just auto post with their link into it oh yeah, yeah we see so much of that yeah yeah so what is a good link building strategy especially in 2023 Oh, that's a great question. There definitely are a few reasons for links. Uh, we could be talking about building brand awareness or something like that. So my answer might be different from that perspective or individual entity brand. We're trying to build up Matt's brand or James's brand. You know, there's the approach might be a little different. If it's a business, a sales landing page, an e-commerce product detail page, that sort of thing. And our goal is to increase the visibility for that page, for the keywords that we know are going to drive conversions for us, then that's a very specific scenario that we want to focus on uh, to, to build the strategy for that. And so that's important to know, but to build the strategy for that, now my goal is to go back to what we kind of talked about before, which is the competitive landscape. Who is showing up for those, those primary keywords in the top search results? I generally like to look at the top 10 search results, but there's no harm in looking at the top three. It's just a more limited data set and it fluctuates a lot, you know, in terms of who's in those top three. So I like to broaden that a little bit and talk sure. about the top 10 search results, which definitely earns the lion's share of, of visits sort of thing. And so looking back at that profile, finding out who's ranking for those top 10 uh, search results for each of the keywords that important that are important and pulling back some metrics like number of referring domains, total backlinks. I like to look at freshness of those links. How long have they been, have they been around? Also velocity of the links, who's building very aggressively. That's important to know. Analyzing all of that data is really the starting point for us when we're making recommendations around a particular client. And most of our clients rely on us for making the, doing that analysis for them and, and creating recommendations around where they may want to focus their budget sort of thing. And so a good linking strategy to me is one that focuses on my goal of visibility. Am I looking at visibility for myself as an individual, for my brand, or for a product listing, or for a service that I'm offering? Focusing on that first and then finding out who the competitors are. So keyword research in between, figuring out who our competitors are for those keywords, and then building a best-in-class backlink profile that is very competitive and is going to stand out sort of thing. And, and then once I know that, now I'm now I'm mixing in what I now I know what I'm up against. I'm mixing in the tactics that I might use, which will vary depending on the type of visibility I'm trying to earn. And we talked a little bit earlier, I think before we started recording about local SEO and and how important that is. Um, and that was going to be potentially a difficult or a different tactic that I or set of tactics that I might want to use for that. Also, we sort of have to probably define local SEO because there are a couple of kind of co-mingled definitions around it um, that are important as well. So once we For do sure. that and we understand what we're up against, then we can talk about the the tactics that will deliver on building the backlink profiles that will be competitive. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So um, I know our audience is going to want to know, what should you avoid in link building? Yeah, that's a great question. I think you hit on it just a minute ago, Matt procedurally be done if it doesn't require a human and i know that's a little bit fuzzy probably now in terms of 
AI chatbots and this new, uh, you know, this new chapter kind of thing around AI, which certainly in the SEO community has has garnered a lot of buzz um, in terms of how we might be able to use AI. But uh, I still think it's pretty safe to say, as you mentioned, if it can just be, if I can turn it over to some sort of bot that's just going to spam the web, that's probably not a great um, so- solution sort of thing. And so um, that would be something I would avoid. Uh, I would also just make sure that my efforts, the tactics, the inputs really that I'm, that I'm using um, align with what my desired outputs are. And we could certainly right. talk about you know, ROI and some other elements, but that's really important as well. Um, a lot of times in SEO, I don't think we do things quite ideally. You know, we measure outputs much more than we measure inputs. And so um, that's why I like the competitor analysis, because it will really help us determine what our inputs need to be made. In this case, of in the case of the discussion, how many links do I need and over what period of time? And what is the quality of those links sort of thing based on what I'm up against? Those inputs are really important. And we think about those less and we only focus on you know, traffic or rank improvements or that sort of thing. Those are the outputs. Well, what we're really talking about in terms of a link building engagement are those inputs. So one thing I would avoid is, is not is sort of misaligning the end result of a campaign um, with the tactics something. We really want to make sure that we're, we're thinking from the end and our efforts, our inputs are going to align with that uh, end goal. I think we can pivot directly into this this one, which is um, how do you create a link building plan? And I think the information that you just gave me actually goes into that, right? Uh, what else? What certainly else would certainly would impact it? Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. It's a great, great starting point is to understand. Okay, how many links do I want to even build? Um, sort of thing. So that's part of my plan. Um, another part of my plan, it, we talked about anchor text. And so what are, what is the anchor text I'm going to use? Well, if I analyze my competitors and I can see based on their backlink profile, specifically the ratio of anchor text that they're using across those categories of you know, brand anchor text, um, commercial intent, but it's sort of diluted or it's uh, it, it's not exact match, and then there is exact match. Once I understand those ratios, I kind of know what I'm, what I'm, what I want to do then. And uh, and then once I identify the tactics that I want to use, whether it's um, you know I'm going to do potentially digital PR, which would focus more on brand visibility, or I'm going to do something like um, guest posts, type well written guest posts, or maybe I'm going to do podcast for example, and, and earn some links from that. Um, you know, I'm going to define what my tactics are based on the number of links I want over the period of time that I want them. And now it's where the kind of where the work really begins, where we're actually going out and we're ideating on topics and we're looking for publishers or we're looking for podcasts, for example, and uh, we're doing our research. Um, and then we're finding contact information, and you could do that manually right on the website. They probably have an email address or a link to a contact form, um, or there are a lot of third-party tools that can do that for you. Um, and then I'm now I'm building the contact information for the publishers that I'm going to do outreach. Now I need pitches. I've got to reach. I've got to reach out to them and ask them for a link or provide something of value or provide a need. For example, you know maybe it's a broken link on their website uh, that points to an external resource that's no longer there and I've got a replacement for it. You know, it's something like that. Um, so I could be reaching out to them uh, to to add that value to them and give them something so it's not no longer a broken link, etc. Once I have those tactics defined and I got my anchor text I know I want to use, 
I've got my contact information for the publishers that I want to approach. However, I've, I've uh, qualified those publishers. Now I have to actually do the work sort of thing and do the outreach and write the content and build the relationships and earn the links. Wow. Sounds like a, a lot of work. Um, There's so, a fair amount that goes into it for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so is here, here's another one. Is link building for local okay. uh, organic search results different than just organic search for, let's say, oh. um, Nash, a national brand or somebody who's doing international organic? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great question. I'm glad we're coming back to this because it's something where there's a fair amount of, of, of misinformation, not intentionally, but we talk, we, we, we define local SEO as it applies to us a lot of times as SEOs. And so if I'm one, if I'm one who is focusing on the map results section of the main search results page, because I have a local business in that location and the intent of the query either explicitly or implicitly because it says near me or something like that. If they're looking for a, a local business, I may want, I may think about local SEO in terms of that, that map, those, that map results section of the page. And now I'm talking about my, get my business profile or my slash Google, my business listing, however you're referring to it. I think it's sort of referred to either way. Um, and I might want to be optimizing my Google, my business profile, my, my Google business profile which is different than what we think about it as link builders, because generally we're not building links directly to a Google business profile. It's a little bit tricky to do that. Right. Instead, Most, what we often to think that, about that, is- that page that's associated with it, right? Yes. So I'm creating a local landing page on my website that is specific to that location. And I, and I link to my Google business profile and my Google business profile links back to that page. And I've got all of my name, address, phone number, website listings exactly appearing on my local landing page for that location or service area, for example. It doesn't have to be a brick and mortar location. It could be a service area, both for your business profile on Google and your website landing page. So I'm tying those things together. So when I talk about local SEO in terms of link building, I'm generally speaking about that local landing page that represents your physical location or a service area that you that, that you work in sort of thing. And in that case, um, there are some differences between building to a non-localized page and national page, uh, may, even if it's localized for different countries or languages. Um, it, there's there's a difference. The competition is different. The needs for my local page, especially hyper-local page, the, the, often the competition is, is lower. Um, the number of signals that Google has available to them to analyze is lower. So there might be a little more flexibility with the types of links that I built. In fact, we have a separate product. In addition to our main my link building service, we have a product that focuses on local sponsorships, local nonprofit organizations that have a need for new sponsorship dollars coming in the door. And when they get a donation from a business, they provide the the, they put their logo on their homepage or their sponsorship page, and they link to a page of your your, your choice. So there's some value in that. It's a lot of work to reach out to all those organizations. Um, a lot of them are very grassroots and don't even have a contact form, for example, sometimes, even though they're asking for sponsorships. So we have a service that helps kind of connect those dots. Even though the, the link itself is coming from a page about sponsorships, 
the local organization may not be using advanced meta tags like rel equals uh, no follow or rel equals sponsored, but it's still very easy for Google to understand that this is a sponsorship page. It says sponsorships right across the top. Right. What we found, however, at the hyper local level is they have equity, they pass equity, they have value, they improve rankings. There's a very high correlation to that. Um, all else being equal to that local sponsored link as there is to a national page with the same level of competition. And so I think what this speaks to is Google has less to go on at that hyper-local level. And so we don't want to discount even local sponsorships as having a very substantial um, SEO impact. So I've I've got two questions that I'm adding to this that are developed off of this, just off the tip of my tongue. So the, the first thing is with some of these local sponsorships, I've seen image links versus anchor text links. Could you explain yes. uh, how that affects uh, the authority passing through to the audience? The yeah, audience? for sure. It's not ideal. You're absolutely right. A lot of them are like that. Um, in some cases, local sponsorship organizations will have a description or something that goes along to it but it's it's the smaller it's a it's a lower percentage of them you're right there's a trade off uh, for sure, a lot of times it's just the link. And even if you ask for an alt tag, you may or may not get it. The level of sophistication of the person that's adding that link to their sponsorship page, uh, we don't know what that is in terms of their understanding of hypertext markup language and you know things like that. So um, they may not be giving the traditional anchor element with all of the desired links. Uh, and it's often just the logo. That is kind of the trade-off. I wouldn't focus 100% on those, but but there still is, we still see value. Contextually though, it's going to be more about your brand and less about the product or the particular keyword you want to rank for, for sure. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to dive a little bit into it. Uh, So for SEO beginners, so does authority pass through an image versus a text link? So there's a lot of debate Uh, on that online. So yeah. Um, I don't know if I can definitively definitively tell you what Google would whether Google would treat that differently. My hunch is based on the communication that I've read, uh, and they put out a lot of communication. My hunch is that uh, in terms of the value of a link passing, just that one element of there is a link present and it's pointing to my page, I would I would expect it to be one to one. That said. So much of Google's algorithms are nuanced. And I think where the, probably the differentiator is there's not going to be as much contextual relevance passed through that link. And so would it bolster the, the visibility of your site generally as we kind of think about it in terms of authority? If I'm a Google quality rater and I'm digging that deeply into a backlink profile and that's from a reputable local organization that does good in the community... I'm going to think pretty favorably about that link, maybe even more so than one that is lower quality and clearly kind of over-optimized. So the real takeaway for me is the best uh, that I could share is the best link profile is going to be a natural link profile that is that competes well with the competition. And a natural profile is by nature going to be very diverse. So that's kind of up tinting at before of we sometimes get too hyper focused on oh i want the domain to be really topically relevant or related or i want the authority to be really high 
And we focus on those things at the expense of just getting links that, that will give us a nice balanced, natural link profile. And so we don't want to get too hyper-focused on any one element. Natural, balanced, diverse, diluted uh, link profile is going to be the best uh, solution. So James, what it sounds like what you're saying from if you do have some links that are coming based on your logo, that the perfect opportunity for that would be to be related to the homepage for your brand, which would affect your domain authority overall versus going to a child page on the site or a post. Is that correct? Well, I think I'm getting really semantic here. Yeah, so I'm sorry. So, but no, I know it's, it's, fa- it's fascinating. I love it. Uh, but <laughs> it sounds like it's the domain authority. It would affect more the domain authority because it doesn't have the contextual of the anchor. T- any yes, anchor text. I think that's true. Although I do, one caveat to that is, you know, any link going to any page is, gonna, is going to bolster your, your dom- overall da- domain authority. Um, and, and so I wouldn't, I wouldn't avoid a link if I can only get it to my homepage or I can only get it to a different landing page sure. sort of thing. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too exclusive about the backlink profile I'm building. A link, a link has value and, and we can't, and, and another important element here is a different type of link. Internal linking is grossly underutilized and very yeah. powerful, but in order to distribute my domain's value or authority or through to my pages, I need the links coming from other pages in the first place. Right. This is where I don't want to be too selective necessarily. If it's clearly auto-generated, the content where the link would be originating from, if it's a low-quality site, if it's I got all kinds of spammy blockups, uh, you know, um, pop-ups on the site. Uh, if there are thousands of links on the page, I would avoid those sorts of, I would not go after those kinds of links um, sort of thing. But if it's if it's human managed website, if it's reasonable quality, if there's some good relevance there, if it's a if I'm doing some good in the in a local community, I would for sure pursue those types of links. Branded, non-brand, et cetera, et cetera. We want that nice, robust, no, natural looking profile. This episode is brought to you by Interview Bookers, the podcast booking agency that provides SEO benefits with each and every podcast guest interview. Are you ready to boost your keyword rankings in local search while being seen as an expert? This is all possible when you appear as a guest on podcasts where the audience matches to your message. If you're ready to take your link building to the next level, then visit us at interviewbookers.com. Since we're, ta- since we're talking local, I'm going to give you one more local question before we move on to yeah, the, the yeah. questions I already gave you. So um, uh, I'm just uh, with local SEO. Uh, a lot of people talk citations, and there are a lot of tools out there that automate citations. So I'm just going to guess that they would not be something that you would, that Google would have a lot of value with. Would you, I mean, they support the NAP, the name, address, and the phone number of the business. Mm-hmm. But I would suggest, mm-hmm. I'm I'm suggesting, and I want to get your opinion on it, that they probably don't have as much uh, link juice coming back to the, the site. Is that correct? Or, or um, are, are we thinking the wrong way because they're automated? Though? Well, That's the only reason why I'm saying that. 
Are you talking about an unlinked citation or just one that's automated, procedurally generated? It's published in a way where I, I submit my name, address, phone number, and website to a tool, and it goes out and puts them in different uh, forums and discussion boards well, and specific, directory listings and that kind of thing. Specific is citation site. So like if you used a tool like Bright Local or something like that to 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 boost citations of your name, address, and phone of your business in local... Yeah. There's a lot of services that are out there. Moz, uh, White right. Spark, all sorts of them do that. Right. But and they've I, got an API plugged into those directories that auto publishes the content information, auto- including the link. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I just yeah. wanted you. I would think it's different. Yeah. I would think it's different for sure. Um, you know, Google has been somewhat clear about the difference between an editorial link and kind of any other procedurally generated link. If it's um, in the footer of a website that you potentially have a, maybe it's a reciprocal relationship with, that's treated differently. If it's something that's auto-generated, like directory listings that get auto-populated, that would be a different type of link. It's not necessarily that main body editorial link where it's a page with mostly content and also some links for additional value or further information. So if I'm Google, I would certainly categorize those citation listings that are done through a tool and are somewhat automated. I would for sure handle that differently. Does it have value? Oh yeah, I think for sure, especially from the perspective of connecting the dots around an entity and all of the all of the third-party profiles of that entity across the web, including those directory listings, including my Google business profile, um, my knowledge graph, if I'm lucky enough to earn that, and everything else across the web. There's value from that perspective, but I wouldn't consider it to be an editorial link. I would think about it differently. I love it. And I just wanted to put clarification out there for everybody that's doing local SEO uh, about how that's classified, because I sometimes I don't think they think of that as automated, but uh, I definitely do. Um, so for yeah. SEOs who are starting to learn and they're trying to, they're starting to think about link building, how many links should you build per month for uh, link building? Good question. Well, good question. It's going to depend on what you're up against in terms of the competition. And a couple of things there. One is I, I want my link building to appear naturally. I, I, you know, I shouldn't have zero links one month and a hundred links the next month. Although sometimes we focus too much on that because depending on where the links are coming from, you know, I think the, the Washington Post, I think, publishes something like 1,200 articles per day. That's a lot of content that's being generated. That's not the typical website sort of thing. So, um, you know, one, one thing that we see is Google not going back and crawling. I'm sure they crawl the Washington Post or, or publishers that are putting that volume of content out they're publishing very rapidly. And in some cases, they don't even render and fully evaluate the content before they index it and potentially rank it. And so um, that's not this scenario in, in most cases when we're earning links. And so if I go out and build, let's say, maybe a, a reasonable number, and I don't know, it really depends on the competition, but maybe a reasonable number in a month might be 20 or 30 links for a relatively active uh, website. And so if I'm building that level of link, depending on where those links are coming from, I want to think about the fact that all of those links are not going to be indexed and evaluated and ranked um, all in the all the day after or even the month after the, they're published. There's going to be some sort of delay of a week to a few months before the pages are even indexed. 
Now, generally, we think technically that the page sending the link has to be indexed and, and evaluated. And the page receiving the link has to be indexed and evaluated. So there's another time delay there. So we see, generally speaking, we don't focus on authority. So we're focusing on generally smaller publishers. But we see some sort of lag between kind of two to four months before from the time we build the link to the time we really get full value from it. Right. And so just a quick sidebar there. We want to focus, we don't want to focus too much on that. We can build links if it makes sense, if it warrants it, and if the competition is requiring us to do that. Because we have there are two elements there as well. We want to look at recent backlink activity and see what we're up against. And then we also want to look at the velocity of link building that the competitors are doing. And if they're outpacing us every month. Let's say we're building five links and we're they're building 10 links. We're never going to actually bridge that gap between their backlink profile and our backlink profile. So right. we, we may need to uh, bolster the a number of links that we're building each month to close that gap over time, assuming they're not just going to stand still and wait for us to build all the links and catch up kind of thing. So those two elements will answer that question. How many links do I need to build per month? It depends on the gaps I'm trying to close and the velocity of links that the competitors are building. So I think this question dovetails into that, which is how can you estimate how many links you need from referring domains? So, yeah, we, we focus on that. That's a metric we look at. Um, you're sort of serving me a softball here uh, with that one, Matt, but yep. we've got an internal process that we've built. We, we call it a, a, a link gap analysis, essentially. And I know there are a few of them out there on the web. And it looks at a number of things like referring domains. How many does our have, does my page have compared that I want to improve visibility for compared to the competition based on the keywords? So I've got to see what I want to rank for, um, go find all the competitors for those keywords. Top 10 competitors is typically what we use. And then build that profile so I can average it out and really see what we're up against. But then I don't necessarily want to look on look at historical links. Maybe I want to look at just links in the last twelve months, um, you know, or newer links uh, to to make that to make that evaluation as well. So that's another element. Um, and one thing that I actually personally really like is Moz's page authority. I spend more time looking at Moz's page authority metric than I do domain authority metric because it's a really nice. Apples to apples com comparison of my page and the competitors' pages, um, because the the page authority, the matrix, the the metric itself, the scale that it's built on zero to one hundred logarithmic, all of these link related factors. I really like that. It's a very robust um, uh, um, metric, much more so than just the purely the number of referring domains as a, as a historic value kind of thing. So I really like looking at Moz's page authority metric and comparing my page authority to the competitions because it's all, I get all of that additional data, uh, you know, sort of thing. I also use, uh, I, I'm going to sort of pitch some third-party tools here. I don't mean to, I'm not getting paid. No, it's great. We're going to, we're going to put them, but, uh, all the links in the uh, show notes for sure. Okay, cool. Cool. So SEM Rush is a great one. They've got their organic difficulty score. And so that helps me kind of size up the competition as well. And so I take these inputs and I kind of do just sort of in my head, have you ever done a, a SWOT analysis, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? It's sort of that quadrant sort of analysis where I list these things out qualitatively, but I list these things out. What are my strengths against the competition? If the competition is stronger, now that's a weakness. Let me put those things in there. What are my opportunities? Um, opportunity might be, you know, my page authority score is higher on average than the competitors, even though there's still a gap that I want to close. 
Maybe I don't need to close the entire gap in this case. That may be an opportunity for me to build fewer links than the number that's in the gap kind of thing based on the referring domain. What are the threats? Well, a threat might be, well, they're outbuilding me in terms of the number of links per month. So I do the underlying analysis with the tool. And in a few months, we're going to be, we're, we're working on a public facing tool. That's why, that's why I mentioned it. Yep. It does yep. a lot of these things for you in, term, in terms of the analysis. So I didn't, I know I didn't clear this with you beforehand. I no, no, listen, this, I, but, I, I um, give you guys the question just specifically for that. So I, I have another awesome. one. I appreciate that. I have another one, which uh, is. I appreciate gonna, that. Yeah. The next one is how can you measure the ROI on link building? Ah, perfect. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I love ROI. SEO community hates ROI, and I don't know why. We do everything to avoid calculating it. Even when just up the page from us with the page search team, they have even their own ROI calculation, their own metric called ROAS, or return on ad spend, which is very similar to kind of the traditional ROI calculation, which is very straightforward. You take your net revenue so your your rev whatever gross revenue that has come in from a campaign you subtract out whatever the cost was from that campaign to establish your net revenue and then you divide by that cost again and then you can multiply by 100 to turn it into a percentage it's pretty straightforward how much did i spend and what was my return and using some pretty relatively rudimentary calculations i can forecast that as well Every other marketing channel is going to be forecasting what the return is going to be. For whatever reason, the SEO community at large just really has an aversion to that and doesn't focus on it. It's not that challenging. In fact, I created a while back a reporting template. We've got our own reporting tool that we've built, but um, it's I wanted to create something that could just be sort of value add. It ended up being pretty complicated. It's a Google Sheet. Um, I'm happy to provide you the link if you want to share it. One yeah, of the tabs in that Google Sheet is an ROI calculator. And so it, it uses search volume of the keywords that you want to target. It uses um, your, you, it uses conversion rate. You can manually, the, the, there are default values, but you can change them if you know your actual conversion rate. It use, uses click-through rate based on rank. You can override that. And you can put in your costs associated with the link building campaign. If you're outsourcing it to me, it's really easy. It's just the cost that we're charging for the links that we built. If you're doing it yourself, it's a little more complicated. You've got to figure out what your soft costs are, uh, staff members that are doing the work. Um, you probably ask in the content team to create content. You um, you have out some sort of tools that you're probably using for outreach or to find publishers, whatever the costs of those tools are. And there are a number of them that are out there for DIY link building. There are plenty of resources out there for sure. But putting all those costs in, and then you just use that very straightforward calculation of the uh, the adjusted revenue, my my revenue minus my cost divided by my cost, and 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 then you just forecast that out over time. And the the spreadsheet does that. So if you only look at the one tab, if you only make a copy of that one tab, you can really easily put in the numbers that you're going to use. Um, and it does the calculation for you in terms of the ROI and estimated revenue. It subtracts out what you're already getting based on your current rank and only shows the essentially what the opportunity is from an ROI perspective. And you could put that into your next, you know, um, uh, your next ask for more resources sort of thing. If you're going to outsource link building or you're going to do it yourself to build a team, et cetera. So oh, it's great. I'm glad you're asking that question. That no, definitely was I, I, a soft serve. I, I, absolutely. Oh. It was definitely a soft serve. Now the the other one that I'm gonna give that nobody really talks about. Uh, you know, I actually mentioned this on the, the call with Garrett that I had, and uh you were the one who educated me on this, but 
if you could talk to the listeners about what they can exp- the different steps of what they can expect to happen as they have link building with domain authority and increasing keywords and different things like that like what can they expect in growth it's it, you don't get ranking right away what are the steps yeah. that they get and so they can understand that and they can measure that with a baseline and what do they have afterwards it'd be great that's a great question, critical to really understanding the value of a link building campaign and the, what the payoff is going to be. Yeah, it's there is a delay for sure. We talked about that a little bit before. There's a, that that initial delay. There's also a delay in just getting the link live in the first place sort of thing. That usually takes longer than, it, than people want it to take. Of course, we'd like this to be as fast as putting up an ad, even though there's a lot of work that goes into putting up a, you know, an ad in search. Um, but it's certainly not anywhere near at the same scale in terms of the amount of time to see the value. But the, the trade-off, of course, is until someone takes it away from us, we earn that best-in-class status with our backlink profile or our other elements of SEO. And so we're going to get returns, residual returns over time. That's really where the trade-off is. Um, but in terms of, yeah, what does that timeline look like? Um, so not, not not the timeline, but like the, uh, I think, l- l- let me just give it to you and then and uh, what you've told me, and then you can then come on that. So what you've said to me okay. in the past, right? For, first of all, is Matt, get a baseline on the URL that you're building likes to, right? Find yep. out how yep. many, how many, how many, analysis. yeah. How many referring domains yep. are there? How many links are there? Um, go into your analytics, find out what your traffic is for a specific yep. time period. And then use some other similar URLs on your website that are not the target URL that are similar in category and get the base yeah, metri- sure. metrics on those. Yep. Find the, yep. con- the con- what is your conversion rate for whatever your goal is? Because uh, we're trying right. to, to drive an event here. What is it a form fill? Is it a sale? Whatever it is. So get those metrics right. up, up front. Right. Now, as we build links, uh, and we're also going to have a uh, a page authority associated with that that URL that we're building yeah. links to. So that's part and, of the one other element as as well, which is the value of that conversion once it happens. Average right. order value, or right. what I really like, which is customer lifetime value. We need that to calculate in and to determine ROI and forecast ROI and show right. value and impact, et cetera. Yep, for sure. So, so once yep. we have those those base numbers, what you've told me in the past, and maybe it's changed or um, maybe I didn't get it. Right, but I think what you told me was like the the first thing you're going to start to see. Uh, the first things you will start to see will, would be, and the number of keywords associated with the page. Sorry, as a baseline. Yep. Um, yep. You're going to start to see an increase in the variations of the keywords on the page, and then yep. from then from there you'll see a little bit more of that. And then as links are increasing, being indexed and being found we'll start to see the page authority come up a little bit. And then yep, some, that's usually a leading indicator for sure. Yep. Right. And then we'll see some more keywords associated with the page. Um, it's not necessarily the, the, the yet the keyword that you're trying to rank, but you're seeing this progression. Right, because it's more, it's probably more competitive than the ones that initially start show up. Right. Sure. But yep. So, so can you comment on that process and like, is there yes. anything else to that? That's kind of what I was leading into to, Absolutely. For, so that Perfect. people okay. could understand like, what are the baselines that you need first? Right. And yeah, what actually happens when you're building links till you get to where you want with the ranking? That's kind of what I'm. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great. Yeah. I, I missed the first one. Thank you so, for re- sorry redirecting. Yep. 
but let's talk about what to expect. This is this is great. It's really important. The, the, ironically, the first thing that often is seen if you're measuring overall visibility for a particular page, if you're doing this, like if you're looking at your rank in Google Search Console, for example, independent of specific keywords, no filtering, no regex to determine here here your top ten keywords that you're tracking. Just looking at visibility, top level visibility, and right. Google Search Console, or even Google or Adobe Analytics, or your own. In, internal reporting tool. First thing that you're probably going to see is a drop, a worsening of your average rank for that page. And often the the response is, "Wait a minute! I just did all this work. I was told this is gonna this is gonna improve my ranking. Why did they just tank? It's probably not tank, but I'm being emotional and I'm thinking, crud! This just had the opposite effect that I wanted to have. That's often what we see, and we see it very consistently. The why is really critical. And you gave away the why. You mentioned the why. The why is I'm going to start, my page is going to start ranking for new keywords. I'm sending these additional signals that weren't there. Even if it's just that link on the local sponsorship, the page of the organization that I sponsored, it's still an additional signal. And especially if contextually there's relevance, if the anchor text is descriptive, the page that uh, this, this third party is now sending a trust signal, as you mentioned, it's a vote for my page. Google now is more curious about that that page that refer that's referring to us. They're going to look for contextual relevance. Um, they're going to start connecting these additional dots that were not connected before, and that often brings new visibility to the page. The trick is a brand new keyword that's ranking to that page the first time doesn't show up in position two very often. It shows up more in position. 22 or maybe position 82. I would never see it if I were clicking through, you know, clicking through the now infinity scroll in Google search results. I would never get far enough down to actually see my my result unless I was really looking for it. But it's more visibility for my page. It's just that it pulls down the average rank because before my page was page was pretty tight. Maybe it ranked for a few dozen or maybe a couple of a hundred keywords, and that just ballooned to several hundred or maybe several thousand. And the because they start ranking on you know in position eighty-two, not position eight or position two, the average rank gets pulled down. Sometimes people panic and they stop building links because they think they did something wrong. They think they're getting penalized, which man manual penalties, I don't think happen except rarely these days. It's more Google has figured it out algorithmically. But this is just a, a reshuffling of all of the data that Google is using in their algorithm determine, to determine where this page shows up in search results for relevant queries. It's like remodeling my kitchen and um, I walk in halfway through it and there's like the big sheet of Visqueen sectioning off part of the rest of the house so all of the dust doesn't carry throughout ever. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, cooking on the little hibachi grill in the in the garage or whatever from my family meal. This is not the end result. This is right in the middle. And that's what often happens very early on. Moz Page Authority is a great one because Moz Page Authority will often um, respond to the links that are discovered faster than ranking will improve, especially because it first gets worse because of all of those new um, ranking keyword, newly ranking keywords sort of thing. Early on, we're talking one to three month timeline, Moz Page Authority and the number of ranking keywords are generally my two leading leading indicators that I use for showing movement, showing that we're seeing something happening, we're starting to see impact. It takes a while to roll up to the top level metrics. So if I'm only looking at 
you know, the domain overview report in, in my favorite tool, I'm generally not going to see links that I'm building to individual pages really move the needle very much, at least for a while. Now, if I look at the individual page, I will see a little bit more. But again, my average rank might go down. Um, and because my average rank is going down, if that third-party tool is calculating estimated traffic, my estimated traffic probably looks, looks like it's going down as well. But if I switch over, I look at my total ranking keywords, which are often bucketed, I will see, especially keywords that rank, you know, I don't know, 11 to, to 20 or 21 to 50 lower ranking, I will see those numbers grow pretty early on as those links start to be, the pages that are referring the links as those pages get indexed by Google and they start to see this additional information and start to factor it in. So one then question. four to six months is like the sweet spot of a link building campaign. I'm sorry, I forgot yeah. to mention that. That's where my top level metric, average rank, uh, share of voice if I'm using a visibility metric, that's where those ones really show the impact of the campaign. It's probably in that four to six months, sometimes earlier, sometimes later, but that's generally around the range. So we, early on, we rely on those leading indicators, and then we're able to start to shift shift over to average rank. But in our reporting tool, we segment things like crazy. Positions one through three, positions one through 10, top 10 keywords, top 25 keywords, everything ranking 20 or better, et cetera, et cetera. Because those smaller subsets of those segments often show the movement faster than um, the average rank across maybe thousands of keywords for the page. So I got one other, I got two questions for you, but so one to, uh, to dovetail on this, do impression okay. do impressions in Google Search Console increase as the the page authority is going up? Yeah, that's such a great question. I wish I had an answer for you. We, we usually most of our clients are pretty large, and getting access to Search Console for them is just a non-starter kind of thing. Right. And so a lot of times we just don't have access to. We don't look at impressions for them because we don't have that metric. I would I would anticipate that initially. Probably not, because the impressions, um, as I understand it, represent any time my result is seen in search results. And if right. I'm in position 82, that certainly it's going to be seen a lot less than someone in position eight. So I think until we hit kind of like the floor rank, right. I don't think even impressions will will go up. Maybe a little bit. Um, but because they're driven by the rank, I just uh, and thought, my average rank is going to go down. I don't think so. I think they'll pro I think they'll probably drop initially. That's a great question, though. I will have to I'll have to do some research on that and get back I, to you. I only I, thought my hunch is they'll drop like rank. Yeah, the only reason why I suggested that was if you're wearing increase increasing keywords, even if they're at the higher rank, that there's going to be impressions associated with all those keywords, even if they're lower. So, but how many impressions? No, if it's sure. a higher search volume, yeah, it, it, search volume is going to drive it. So if it's okay. a higher search volume keyword, you have it's more likely you're more likely to um, see that earlier on. But usually, the lower search volume keywords are the ones that start ranking sooner. Variations, like you said, you get some more longer tail, and which could be great. It might convert at a much higher level, and a longer tail extended phrase of one you're already ranking for is likely to show up higher in search results and increase impressions, improve average rank, and hopefully drive traffic and higher conversion rate as well. So that would be a, a great win, even though it has a smaller search volume. But I think just based on all of the numbers that are going into something like an analytics view, uh, I think impressions will probably initially fall just like rank. Okay. 
Thank you for the clarification on that, because uh, that was the only metric we weren't really uh, like throwing into the mix there with that. So um, yeah. yeah. So let's pivot. So how can okay. the, the audience members? Uh, I'm sure they're going to see that this is a really complex, uh, really really complex. Uh, got some layers. Yeah, it's got so many different layers. It's really complex. So how can they reach out to Citation Labs to get your help and uh, whether it is. Uh, whether they are working on the local level or what they're working, you know, nationally or, or, or whatever. So just on their, their link building projects, how can they get started? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, if they want to do it themselves, we got a tool, we have a tool called prospect finder. It helps them find prospective publishers. Um, they can add queries in and refine the list. It goes on credit. So you buy a certain number of credits and then you can use them till, till they're gone. They refresh, they, you know, re, they refresh each month. So if you if you're set on doing it yourself, that's great. Um, we also provide a lot of information on our blog about um, about links and the the right success metrics, focusing on the right things, thinking from the end, and some great thought leadership by our our founder uh, Garrett French, who was on your as you mentioned on your and your, your the podcast was a great episode as well. Highly recommend anyone listening to that. Um, if you if you're looking to outsource potentially that, we are happy to do a link app analysis for you, just so you can see what you're up against. Um, generally, we'd like to have a phone call, uh, not a phone call. We'd like to have a video meeting with you so we can share a screen and I can walk you through it. But part of the part of the my favorite part of my job is just to help the link building community build better links, get more value from the links that they're building. And so we try to put out quality blog posts that have really good value. We're happy to offer a free link app to analysis to anybody who wants it. Um, and if you want to talk about an actual link building engagement, we're happy to do that as well. And then you you don't necessarily turn everything over to us because, of course, you're you're making the final decision on the pages and the keyword priorities. We create the anchor text, but then we send it to you for review. We will create a couple of we pre-write a few articles. A lot of we do a lot of guest posting, so we'll pre-write a couple of articles and send them to you as part of an initial and early early on in engagement. So we make sure we've got your voice and we make sure that we're understanding your products or your service that you're offering, sort of thing. So it's not set it and forget it. You don't just say, "Here's my URL. I want five links or 105 links or however many. Go build them." But it is turnkey, full service. It's high touch. We send you a weekly update and a monthly impact report, and that we like to meet with you monthly to review and discuss, talk about pivots, that sort of thing. So not completely off of your off of your plate, but we do the lion's share of the work. We send all of the outreach. We we write the pitches. We um, we write the articles themselves. We justify the links. We do we do all the work from that perspective. And so it is something that you can kind of turn over and oversee and be part of and and manage and have oversight to, but not necessarily sending the emails and writing the articles and doing the doing the research. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to the audience on this just from my my experience uh, with Citation Lab. So one is that uh, it is really a white glove agency. They took a very difficult uh, campaign for me on the enterprise level and totally took charge of it. Um, Here's some things to consider. So if you're doing outreach to different publishers, uh, they may say, yes, they will publish something. But what I found from my experience working with Citation Labs is that there are a lot of publishers who say they will publish something, but they don't. So what that means is there's a lot more content that needs to be created. 
and a lot more publishers that need to be contacted to hit your minimums. Uh, and that in itself, you would need a dedicated content team and budget just to do that, let alone the outreach that takes to do all this. So that uh, right off the bat is something that you need to consider. So do you have the time? Do you have the bandwidth? Do you have the writers to do this and the budget? Uh, let alone building the links, now you have to build the content. And is it going to be worthwhile content? The other thing that I found was that the type of content that was created was amazing content. It was kind of like Smashing Magazine. There, you The content that publishers want, they don't want content that just has one link and it's touting your company. They want content that will work for their brands on their sites that are contextual to their audience. Right. So you need to have, so that has to be, uh, so it might be an adjacent audience to start with. Right. So it has to fit in with what is out there. And so it might be an article that is comparing five or six different companies or solutions. The other thing that I found that was unique to Citation Labs was that they can build links to your product pages. And most companies can't do that. So uh, I cannot stress how great of a company they are. And then there's another product that um, James didn't really talk about yet, which is Zip Sprout, which is on the local side. If uh, he did mention it uh, for you know non for profits, but that is another uh, website that you guys have. That uh, could you talk a little bit about that? So, yeah, absolutely. Local non profit sponsorships. Uh, it's kind of feel, I think about it as feel good link building. I'm doing something with the money that I'm investing for this in order to get this link time, et cetera, and actual hard dollars in the, in support of a local organization. It could be a kid's little league game. It could be a local farmer's market. It could be kind of, it could be a chamber of commerce. It would be and sort of everything in between other marketing or industry related associations certainly could be part of that. Most of them, many of them are nonprofit and uh, could benefit from those sponsorship dollars, those donations, and it makes a really huge difference. Uh, it's a great, it's pretty, ha- that one is pretty hands-off. Um, essentially, you tell us the types of topics you want to focus on. We send you, it's got kind of a little front end. We s- send you a list of, of sponsorship opportunities. You go down the list and say yes or no. And uh, and then we go and do all the work, which is very much offline work. Sometimes it's not even via email. It's it's, uh, you know, it's, we've got to make a phone call to them directly sort of thing. So there's quite a bit of, of legwork that goes into getting those organizations, uh, those sponsorships live. Um, sort of thing. That's not always the case. There are a few kind of broader associations that have, that are a little more focused on digital, but many of them, quite a few of them are very grassroots and it's phone calls and, and, and follow-ups and things. Uh, you know, like that, even though you're trying to give them money sort of thing. So if you'd like to turn that over to us, um, again, we also have a local sponsorship finder. You can go look for your own sponsorships. Th- that's kind of the easy part is finding organizations that that want to be sponsored. Doing all the work to get that sponsorship in place is kind of the challenging piece. Uh, it's a great, great part of it. We try to incorporate Zip Sprout engagements into our overall link building engagements whenever we can, whenever we can get it approved by the brand, essentially, because back to that natural link profile, it's diverse, it's you're doing good in the local community, it's hyper local, um, you know, link, which is really great and unique and 
kind of hard to get unless you're really focused on those or you're using some sort of directory submission like you were talking about specifically for local map um, SEO for local uh, for Google business profiles kind of thing. Um, it's, a, it's a great organization and please check it out. Um, one other thing I did want to mention too, uh, I thank you for the comments around our content. We spent so much time on that. Uh, and I want to give away two kind of secrets here. One is if you are in the consumer space, a lot of times what really works for sort of guest posts or, or if you're doing your own link building um, and you're writing content for it is approach it not necessarily from your product or your services perspective, but from the lifestyle perspective. You think about what problem or issue your product solves, what the lifestyle is that goes around with that and find lifestyle blogs that, that focus on that yeah. um, improvement of quality of life better homework balance, work-life balance, whatever it is. There are lots of great ways to approach that sort of lifestyle um, lifestyle sort of topic. On the business side of things, the equivalent is kind of the use case, a use case scenario at a broader level than your product. Your product probably is speaking to a particular user within an organization, accounting or generally finance, sales, marketing, et cetera. And we can broaden that to better work productivity, um, how we how we improve our efficiency, those sorts of things. So we often approach content from either the lifestyle perspective on the consumer side or the use case perspective on the business side. If that helps at all, if you're stuck on kind of topic ideation or how do you make this link to your page make sense in an article that you're writing or or something like that, approaching it a little more broadly can uh, you know sometimes help. Well, that is amazing feedback and listeners take that and uh, write content in that context. So <laughs> thank you so much for being <laughs> on the show today. Uh, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. And uh, uh, so hold off, uh, jumping off um, when, we, when we hop off here, but uh, thank sure. you so much. And uh, um, Absolutely, my pleasure and honor. Thank you so much for having me. Much, much, much appreciate that. Absolutely, man. Are you ready to break through and accelerate how you learn SEO? Then please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice or join our email list at emjpodcast.com so we can keep you up to date. This is the EMJ SEO Podcast with Matt Hepburn, and we'll see you next time.